0: It's time for JT the Brick. How we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionated sports talk host. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. Just win, baby. The Raider schedule is brutal. It's a second-place schedule that's front-loaded heavy and back-loaded heavy. The fans of the Raider Nation, sound off like you got a pair.
1: JT the Brick.
0: I'm talking about the notorious ones, the out of control fans, the passionate fans. All of you fans are invited to be a part of the show. I'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose. And that's it. Use the phone like a weapon. Enjoy everything we do. And please always feel welcome to call in and to tweet and to be a part of the show. Fair enough? And now,
1: here's JT the Brick.
0: Out of the gate, JT with you on Monday as we open up Raider Nation Radio on what will be a very interesting show today. Uh, Brought to you by our partners at Golden Entertainment. They own the 64 taverns of P.T.'s, Sean Patrick, Sierra Gold, the SG Bar here in town. Happy hour 5 to 7, midnight to 2 a.m., gaming, sports, food, home of the Golden Knights. P.T.'s fuels the monologue as we open up this show. We call every Monday, win or lose, the aftermath, the reaction of what the fans think of the Raiders on a Monday. And this one's going to be an interesting one. As we get going, and I cleared out the guest. I have I have Rick Spielman, former GM, good guest at the bottom of the hour. We booked him last week, so we're going to get to him. Harry Ruiz in hour number two, but I'm really looking for a big reaction phone day today and to get your opinion, especially if you went to New Orleans, you're back. If you watch the game, you're a diehard Raider fan on the flagship. And what happened yesterday as the Raiders got embarrassed and beat and shut out in New Orleans, blanked by the New Orleans Saints. And what I got to consider one of the worst regular season losses, regular season losses, it's definitely the worst I've seen in Las Vegas, as this is a franchise now coming from Oakland to Las Vegas. That was the worst performance I've seen. It was very unexpected. It was out of character. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And it's just snowballing. And it's snowballing bad because that effort there was about as bad as an effort. As I've seen in my 24 years working with the team, for fans that I've known much longer than that who are really upset about it, it's tough to wrap your head around exactly what happened and why it happened at this point in the season with so much on the line and a team that's expected to do better. And I I think that's the first thing I wanted to do today is we're at a point in the season here, we're at Halloween. Happy Halloween. Please be safe tonight. I live in a neighborhood with, It feels like a 1,000 kids come to my neighborhood to trick-or-treat. Cars, it gets dark. These kids are just having fun. Some of them are out of control. They're running into the streets. This is the one day a year I always say. Take it slow, really slow in your neighborhood, especially when you come home from work tonight. Happy Halloween to the Raider Nation as we begin. So I think what we need to do this week is we need to temper expectations, which I'm not good at. My expectations are always win. I grew up in this culture since I came to the Raiders, just win baby. And it's all about winning. And it will always remain about winning. Mark Davis wants to win every game. And we'll get to that here in a little bit. But now this is a team where we can no longer say they're close. We can't say that they're almost there. We can't say they're on the verge of anything. Because that performance was so lackluster, without any passion, without the ability to fight and fight out of a hole, and to try to turn a game around. I cannot believe that that happened to this team. They've lost a lot of close games this year, and there's been a lot of mistakes. There's been coaching mistakes. There's been player mistakes. There's been a lot of mistakes along the way. We know that. We're all adults here, most of us, and we we debate every game. And every game's been pretty close until this happened. And then this one came in in a shocking defeat, which is really hard to explain because there's a lot of people in Vegas, sports books handicappers, insiders, former Hall of Famers, and no one saw this coming. Now, I didn't expect the Raiders to win the next two games, I told you. I said if they split, because they're not playing well. They're a two-win team. I wasn't one of the people that thought they were going to reel off six in a row or the next five in a row. I didn't see it because I don't see the performance of this team at that level. But I did think they could win the next three out of four or four out of six, and I thought that this team could fight to get back to 500 which I hope, and that's got to still be the goal of the organization as they're in Sarasota, Florida today. But what I saw yesterday was so unacceptable. It, It was just a gut punch of epic proportion. And I can't believe that these players and the coaches and everybody who put together a plan all week to go to New Orleans let the fans down so badly. You see, I'm just a fan behind the microphone. No matter how much longer I do this, I came into this business as a fan. I'm going to leave as a fan of sports in general. And I know you know I care about the fans. I talk to the fans. I interact with the fans. I take calls. I buy them beers. They buy me beers. We hang out at events. It's the only thing I got going for me is that I'm accessible as a fan. And what I saw yesterday and I heard in my text messages and my phone calls about what the fans had to deal with in New Orleans after spending their hard-earned money, after putting their money into the economy, in a really tough time to travel in America, to go out to a city that's really expensive because of the hotels and the food, it's hard to get to, and then to go to a game and to see your team, your passion in life, and to be let down so hard is really unacceptable. So that's what I wanted to spend today on is the fans, you the fans of the Raider Nation, and how disappointed you are by the effort. They're going to win, they're going to lose, but you don't get shut out. You get the ball past midfield. You play with heart. You play with desire. You have passion. You have body language. You have things going for you, and the Raiders had none of it yesterday. None of it. So you can say you can put it on the coach. The coach took it, took the blame. I'm the first guy to interact with anybody on the postgame show. We took about 15, 20 calls last night after the coach had a press conference and said, you can point the finger at me. And then he had a press conference today, and he, he talked about accountability. So every coach would do that, and I know Josh McDaniels from interviewing him every week. The guy wants to win. The guy's probably really hurting right now, and he took the heat, and he he needs to take the heat. He's the head coach of the team, and the team didn't show up. And then after that, the quarterback gave a speech, which he's given many times before, about how they lost the game and it can't happen again and what they're going to do in the future. He has a script. A notebook of saying that all the time. And a lot of the times it's not his fault. The team loses the game. He has to go to the podium first after the coach. And he tells you, we're going to turn it around. And and Derek usually, he means that all the time. But yesterday, I, I thought Derek was in a fog in the game, on the bench. Uh, he didn't have any protection. He was running for his life. He didn't have a chance. Derek Carr didn't have a chance. Could he have played better? Absolutely. Devontae Adams, the number one prized player in the NFL. Number one. A lot of people would have said Russell Wilson before the deal because of the magnitude of the deal, but it was really Devontae. Devontae got dominated by a rookie and had the worst game that he'll ever have in his entire life dating back to Pop Warner in Fresno State. He had one reception for three yards. He was completely dominated, and that happened for a number of reasons. I knew the Raiders were in trouble before the game started when Darren Waller was working out. More than one insider looked and watched the workout, thought he was ready to go, and he wasn't able to go. So once Darren Waller wasn't able to play, this is now more than a trend. This is now commonplace for Waller, who is not available this season for the team. He's just not available due to an injury, and the Raiders don't want to chance the injury with Darren, which that is way above my pay grade, way above my pay. That's doctors, that's trainers, that's a head coach. So I can talk about Darren when he's out there. If he's not out there, we can suggest why is this injury lingering for so long, Why is this a lingering injury for a thoroughbred athlete who's in great shape? Once he wasn't able to go, I was over at the M with Eric Allen, and I said, oh, this isn't good for two reasons. Everybody thought he could go, and some players probably thought he could go, and when he wasn't able to go, that had to suck a little bit of the oxygen out of the room because the team never showed up, and they weren't ready to play coming out of the tunnel. So you can't tell me that didn't have anything to do with it. It had something to do with it. I just can't magnify what it was. So today we're going to talk about three big issues. The three big issues before I get to the sound bites, is number three. I'm going to go from three to one in importance. Number three is how are they going to react from this? This is going to tell you everything you need to know about this team and everything you need to know about any team in any sports. Again, sometimes I get sucked into this bubble that I'm doing Raiders radio. Now, this is a sports metaphor. This is a sports topic I'm talking about. We are going to learn everything we need to learn about this team this week in Sarasota before Jacksonville. How are they going to react to being embarrassed, embarrassing the fans on a road trip, not showing up, not playing with any intensity? How are they going to react? They're going to either have a good reaction or a bad reaction. So we'll know everything about that. That'll be my next Monday show coming off of Jacksonville. How did this team with more than their back up against the wall. Their back was against the wall. They got punched in the gut and went to the ground. Okay, so that's where they are. They're on the ground after getting punched as they were back up against the wall. How will they react this week? I have no bleeping idea. Okay, so that's that's one of the topics we're going to talk about. The other one is the coaching and the scheme. The coaching and the scheme. Uh, Josh McDaniels has a wealth of knowledge On the offensive side of the football, there's no debate. Even getting shut out and not getting the ball past the 50 until you had to go with your backup quarterback doesn't wipe out Josh McDaniel's career. He's got a wealth of knowledge, six Super Bowls, in the biggest meetings in the history of the sport, with the greatest teams in a dynasty. He has a wealth of knowledge on what to do with an offense there, but the offense played their worst performance that I've ever seen dating back to other coaches on top of this, going back to the St. Louis Ram game a few years ago where they lost 52 to nothing, and they did not have the money or the talent that they have on this roster now. Then we go to the defensive side of the football where Patrick Graham and the defensive coaches are there, and now we have to sit there and wonder what what are they doing with their scheme? How are they scheming up a defense that didn't understand that Alvin Kamara was on the field? That's got to be impossible. I mean, that's got to be impossible for the defensive coaches on this team to walk away from this game and go, how did we not account for Alvin Kamara? So that question is out there, and that is going to be there for a while. I tend to believe that, you know, I always think these coaches are good in, in any era. They're professional coaches. This is what they do. They're pretty good. But this coaching staff on the defensive side, it's one of two things. Either their scheme is completely off and they're the problem, or the elephant in the room is they don't have players who can execute this scheme. They just don't have the players, and the players are subpar. They're not good. They're not above average. They're not great. They're below average, and you can't put them into anything other than a basic scheme, which is a little bit of light man-to-man because they don't play man-tough, and then you have them in the soft zone because you can't do much else, and they can't execute it. So the defense to me is a really big problem here. We've seen it for a while. And then the number one issue on the broadcast today, as we open up the show, is why wasn't the team ready to play? That's my big hot button. Why wasn't the team ready to play? I think I'm getting to know Josh McDaniels. You hear our interviews every week. He answers everything. I think he prepares the team well. I think they have a game plan. Sometimes it don't work. This was a disaster. But... I don't think it's on the coach after he gives the speech and he gives the speech in the locker room and they come out and he has the conversation the night before the game and then he comes out. I think it's on the players. And I think most people would agree with me. I mean, you could kill these coaches in any sport. They get hammered when they lose. Every one of the Raider insiders have written columns today from New Orleans on the way to Sarasota and they have shredded this team for their lack of ability to say it nicely, but I, I'm still confused on why this team wasn't ready to play in New Orleans where there was a minimum of 30 to 35% Raider fans on the road. They just came off a bi-week win, and they had everything to play for against a team that was missing four or five of their best players, and they weren't ready to play. And that, to me, goes to the players and the captains on this team. I think the players... And the captains on this team are open today to tremendous scrutiny from why their body language was listless, why they showed no emotion during the game, why they gave us no glimmer of fight at any point from the end of the first quarter on, and how come they didn't play life and death football for the fans who road trip to New Orleans with the season on the brink and everything to play for. I don't have the answer to that. I swear I don't have the answer. I don't know. You know, I always give Max Crosby the benefit of the doubt because he's a great player. He's an unbelievable player, great human being. They're all great human beings, the majority of them. But Max plays hard, and he gets double and triple teamed. The rest of the players on this team, and Max is a part of it. He's a captain. The rest of the players are all open to scrutiny on why they weren't ready to play. And a lot of them are getting paid an enormous amount of money And they are not living up to their salaries and their bonuses. And we can all admit that. So why aren't they mentally and physically prepared in the first quarter of that game with so much on the line? For those who are saying early start, 10 a.m. start, they were out there Friday. They were plenty ready. They're staying in Jacksonville. It's the same thing we'll talk about next Monday. I was really disappointed in that. I really thought that the Raiders would come out with an extra pep in their step, an extra level of intensity, Because they felt like they could win the game, and that would have lifted them coming out of the tunnel, right? You know, they're playing Andy Dalton, and there's no Landry playing, and you don't have Michael Thomas, and Lattimore isn't playing. And you got a bunch of rookies, and a rookie playing, you know, the best receiver in football, and Devontae Adams. And you look around and you say to yourself, Josh Jacobs has been running like a beast the last couple of weeks. How could this team not be prepared to play? So who is that on? Is it on the quarterback? I think the quarterback has to take much of the blame because the quarterback doesn't look motivated in any of the games when the camera's on him. The camera is football. This is all television. It's all television. If you're not going to the game, it's broadcast on TV. So if the quarterback's energy on the bench is just staring and he's on the bench and he can't lift the team up emotionally, he can't emotionally save the game when the game's going sideways right out of the gate. That's one guy. Then you could take a look at the other captains on the team. And you could say to yourself, what were they doing that was noticeable to try to get the team back in the game? Okay, there is a part of this game where you have to be emotionally invested in the game. And the Raiders probably were emotionally invested all week. The coaches are definitely invested all week. The coaches don't play. They put the game plan together. They go up to the booth sideline. They put the headset on. There's only so much they can do. If they make a mistake with timeouts or down in distance or this or that, you want to criticize a jet sweep instead of a run up the middle to Josh Jacobs. That's all wide open. But what about the players and the players' ability to be accountable for not being prepared to play? So that's really my big hot button today is that how could that happen with so much on the line? This is a team that's getting kicked around by the media before they play any game in the offseason. They're starting off being disrespected by everyone. And then they start the season off and they lose some gut-wrenching heartbreakers. I mean, some really tough games that if they went the other way, I don't think the team would be where they're at today. That's another point. I don't think the team's very good right now. They're playing their worst football. They played an uncompetitive game. But, you know, if they, if they got a break and beat Kansas City or if they held on against Arizona – I truly believe that we'd see a different scenario in front of us because there's a lot of teams in their boat. So being in that boat going into the New Orleans game with heartbreaking losses, last possession with the chance to win, you would think they'd be ready to play, right? At a minimum, you'd think they'd be ready to play. And when I watched that first quarter, and I'm sitting there watching the first quarter, it took me minutes, minutes to say, Oh, my God, what happened? There's got to be more to this story. They look lifeless on the sideline. They're getting thrown around. The offensive line is getting thrown around like ragdolls, thrown around like two feet back, pushed all over the place. The defense is getting no rush at all. The cornerbacks look like they've never played a game. They won't cover anyone man-to-man at the line of scrimmage like Willie Brown and Mike Haynes but there's no Mike Haynes and Willie Brown in this organization. And the guys on the back end, even when Alvin Kamara gets a ball and he's running towards them, there's no violence. There's no intensity. There's no, I want to be Matt Millen. I want to be George Atkinson. I want to be Jack Tatum. They are not on the roster. They're not on the roster. Because if they did, with Alvin Kamara having 20 yards behind him coming right at him, you would see that violence, that passion to play, that ability to try to save the game and make a play, and they were all checked out. So that's surprising. I think it's a pretty good team. I think they have good coaches. I think they have good players. I think they got some good things going on, but I can't predict the scores. I don't know what's going to happen in the game. But I truly believe that this is a team for the first time in the Josh McDaniels era. That showed no compassion to play the game and pick each other up. They showed no intensity. They didn't look like they had much of a fight. And that's really disappointing. That's my word. I don't know if it's concerning. They might be able to snap a finger and bounce back. But who am I to tell you that? Or, I mean, as I said, point number three here in my notes, how will they react? I don't know. I don't know how they're going to react. I mean, this was a gut punch. This is a gut punch. If there's like two games left in the se- seasons and they had four wins, I don't think we'd be talking about it this way. But with everything on the line, the way it was on the line, I was just looking for a team that came out and they were just jumping up and down in place, ready to go. I mean, there was a point in the game that Alvin Kamara came out. If you didn't see it, he had smelling salts. Alvin Kamara was kicking the Raiders' ass. He's on the field. And he's putting smelling salts underneath his nose like, I want to kill you. I want to run it down your throat. And there was no answer for him. None. This is Andy Dalton, everybody. This is Andy Dalton. And Sam Ellinger is coming up on the schedule. Trevor Lawrence and that team is a mess. And instead of us now finally saying, you know, the Raiders are probably better than all these teams upcoming, so they're going to get wins. We can't do that. Because they got shut out and the cover of the Review Journal says blanked in the bayou. Raiders suffer humiliating shutout in miserable effort at New Orleans. So that's, that's where we're at. Everything about, hey man, they've been close, they're really close, stop. They're not close. That was one of the worst losses I've ever seen in Raider history in a regular season. We also had the biggest Raider collapse in regular season history against Arizona. I mean, there's been a lot of things happening this year, and I want to see the team rise from the ashes because this is the ashes now. They were stomped out in New Orleans. They couldn't get the ball past midfield. They were thoroughly embarrassed. They got beat up badly. I didn't say it, but the paper said humiliated. I don't know where you go from here other than just trying to win a game. Win a game in Jacksonville and then try to save the season and turn it around. So that's what I got as we opened it up. Really just disappointing. I was really looking forward to the Raiders winning this game, which I thought they would, then beating Jacksonville, then coming home to a raucous crowd, beating Indianapolis, and then having an opportunity to take on Seattle and Denver. And I know Seattle's a lot better, but Seattle's beatable, and Denver's a mess. But all those teams are better than the Raiders right now because the Raiders couldn't get the ball past the 50-yard line. With multimillionaires making over $100 $100 million on the team, and they just can't get the ball past the 50-yard line. That is really disappointing to me. And I think the Raiders are much better than that. I think the coaches and the players know they're better than that. Uh, Josh McDaniels will get to the sound a little bit later on. It's funny. I have all the sound prepared to play. I'm just rambling here. But, you know, when a team is lifeless, when they look emotionally drained, they have let the early season struggles defeat them mentally, when they're not ready to play, the question now is, will this team show the mental fortitude and toughness it takes to persevere? Or are they going to fold up? That's basically what it is. I've talked to 10 Raider fans who are in New Orleans. I made a point to take their phone calls after they texted me and ask what that experience was like for them and what they saw in preparation of the show. And it's really tough on these fans, and I feel bad for them. It's time to see what these leaders are made of on this team. The trade deadline's coming up. Dave Ziegler, what he can do. I mean, most of the, I don't think a lot of the teams around here want the Raider players other than for free. They're not going to do the Raiders any favors. And if the Raiders want to go out there and get a player or two, what are they going to give up? Is it worth giving it up after an effort like that? 702-365-9200. Nick in San Jose, start us off on the Raider flagship. What's happening, Nick?
2: Brick, Brick, first of all, I love your passion and your keen insight. Look, um, I want to talk about culture for a second. Uh, McDaniels is supposed to be the guru. This is roughly his third year, if you include the roughly two years in Denver. And Renfro looks like a shell of himself. Adams, the best offensive player, had one catch yesterday. Carr looked lifeless. Waller just doesn't play. And, uh, you know, Derek Carr's God-fearing good husband. The bottom line is we've never won a playoff game with him. Um, and just defensively, I want to say one thing on the defense. I, Jonathan Abrams is an absolute joke. You can't win with that bum, okay? And I mean bum on his play. And I'm going to take a different spin here. And I appreciate you giving me a little more time. Um, I'm going to keep watching them because uh, it's just uh, it's a disease of me. I love the Raiders. Nothing so I, I can do about it. But you just have put those with the Warriors in and, 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 and basketball. It's about culture. And at a time, Al Davis was a pioneer, social leader. But ever since Ron Wolf has left the organization, let's be real. Okay, this team has drafted atrociously. There was a little burp when we got a young uh, Gruden uh, for a few years. But, I mean, you just look at this defense, the, the, the draft picks, Cullen Farrell, et cetera. I mean, it's just a culture. and I, I give Mark Davis credit for getting us to Vegas, but he doesn't know what he's doing, brother. And we just don't have a culture of winning. And I'm going to watch next week. They'll, maybe they'll win, but this team is going nowhere, okay? Um, I, I see the Niner game yesterday with McCaffrey. We had a Kenyon Drake, and we let him go. That could be something like that. This team is unacceptable yesterday. The, the Saints were without all their playmakers. You should have taken... Uh, Camara out of the game like they did Adams. I'm just done, brother. Mm-hmm. We haven't won a playoff game since 2002. I will continue to watch because when I first watched football, it was Jim Plunkett and Kenny King, 1980 or 79, whatever that was, and it stuck with me. But the culture, they're losers, man. And you know, they're just losers. And that's yeah, you know,
0: line. look, I, I, you know, your phone call, you made a lot of good points there. Uh, Mark Davis has done everything financially to to set this team up to win, signing the players and making decisions here. Mark will be the ultimate judge and jury on this coaching staff and the players who get paid going forward. It's not easy. I just know him personally and how much this wears on him and how much he wants to win. And, you know, I'm pro Mark Davis because I work for the team and I want him to win. And I think there's been mistakes along the way. A lot of these decisions are tough. Uh, A lot of things happen with John Gruden in the emails, Henry Ruggs along the way in the accident, all the stuff that went down. The Raiders have had some bad luck along the way. But this show's not about what happened in the past. This show's about what happened less than 24 hours ago in New Orleans. We're trying to figure out this regime and what's going on here. Not going back to Kenny King. We know the past. I've been there for almost a quarter century of it. How do they turn it around and win going forward? And it is an emotional time. There are a lot of fans that are hurting. A lot of fans are hurting because they love the Raiders and they love this team on the road. And they want to represent them on the road. And I think it's the job of the coach... All the coaches and the players to understand, and Josh McDaniels apologized to the Raider Nation. Maybe some more players need to do the same. I apologize to Raider Nation for, for that performance, and uh, again, I own that. Uh, that's that's my responsibility, so we have to do much better, obviously, uh, in, in every phase of the game uh, to be able to compete with a team like that who's well-coached, has good players. It's Josh McDaniels coming off the loss in New Orleans yesterday. JT, back with you as we continue. Pleasure welcoming in former Vikings GM, now a great analyst with CBS Sports, NFL analyst, Rick Spielman joins us, and Rick, let's go around the league, I read your winners and losers commentary earlier and saw the video, let's start with the Cowboys and what they're doing, Zeke was out, Pollard running the ball, and getting Dak back into a rhythm here, Cowboys with that defense that can turn
1: the ball over, really look sharp. Yeah, no, I thought uh, Dak started to look like the old Dak that you've seen before the injury, and you know, week one, he missed a lot of time, most of the games in uh, early in the season. Last week, he got his feet foot, feet wet, and then you see him get into rhythm with his offense. He spread the ball around to the playmakers, and I said earlier that you know you're having a heck of a day when you can run a quarterback sneak for 25 yards. Uh, but it was good to see him, and uh, I think as Dak goes, that offense will continue to go, and Pollard was just a a beast in his own way. I mean, three touchdowns and 150-plus yards rushing. Uh, He's truly a number-one running back. And when they get Elliott back, it'll be interesting to see how they divvy up uh, the carries because Pollard is so explosive once he gets the ball in his hands. I think the biggest thing for the Cowboys, and they're playing tremendous on defense, is the Bears were able to run the ball on them. And I know they traded for Hankins. Uh, and hopefully that'll shore up uh, their defense against the run because I think that's the weakest part of their defense right now.
0: Rick Spielman joins us. How far do you have the Cowboys off from the Eagles? A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts. I'm a big fan of Jalen from Alabama and Oklahoma, but I I thought there would be more valleys with the peaks you know the three great games in a row he'd have a bad game I mean we saw what happened on Sunday night football Josh Allen didn't play well in the second half of the game I'm not seeing any of that with Jalen Hurts every game he seems to be mastering ball control and now he's making big plays in the passing game delivering the ball into some really tight spots I didn't think he could do it that consistently
1: well when you look at uh when you can throw it to A.J. Brown (laughs) up there. I don't know if there's a better receiver uh, playing in the league right now than the way A.J. Brown is playing, but I had an opportunity to see uh, Philadelphia uh, work in a combined practice against the Miami Dolphins uh, down here in South Florida, and I was a little taken back about on um, Jalen Hurst because everybody knows what type of athlete he is, um, but the way he was throwing the ball and throwing it with a lot of velocity, but the accuracy is so much better than it was a year ago, but it helps have the weapons around that he does and they also he's going to hurt you with his legs and he makes plays uh with his with his legs as well so he's really evolved and I remember talking to Howie Roseman and you know it was like well I think this is going to be a big year for uh, Jalen Hurts because I asked him about having the two first round picks and uh will you be looking at one of these top quarterbacks in next year's draft and they had a lot of confidence and what they've seen in jail and through the offseason, and I think in training camp, and that's showing up in the uh, regular season right now.
0: Former GM Rick Spielman, kind up to join us now at CBS Sports. So good transition to Seattle and what Geno's doing. Again, he's making some tight window throws to lock it, managing the game, and saw a lot of big Geno mistakes his, his entire career. What's changed with the culture up there? Pete Carroll, who's a defensive coach, getting this much out of Geno, with the young draft that they had and what they got back from the Russell Wilson move here. I'm just shocked at how good Seattle's playing and how consistent they've been
1: up front. Well, I think you have to give Pete Carroll consideration for coach of the year because everybody uh, had them, you know, left for dead at the beginning of the season, that there's no way it's a rebuilding year. They're not going to be able to compete, but Pete saw something in Gino and he's always been a, very strong advocates of Gino, even through the preseason. And this is my guy, even though there was a so-called open competition. But when you read through the lines, you knew that uh, Pete Carroll uh, really had a belief in Gino. And I believe when a head coach believes in a quarterback like that, that really lifts the quarterback's confidence up. And Gino's playing at a very high level with a lot of confidence and probably uh, the best he's ever, and no doubt the best he's ever looked in his entire career because I thought he was just going to be, you know, a plug-in guy until they get their franchise quarterback. Uh, but the way that he's playing right now, uh, he's, he's helping them win games, and he's more than just a game manager. He's actually making plays that, that, that are carrying that team.
0: CBS Sports NFL analyst Rick Spielman joins us. Rick, Derek Carr's struggling behind this offensive line. The Raiders didn't show up in New Orleans and Devontae Adams only had one reception for three yards. When you look at the tape of Derek Carr and what's happening with the Raiders, Josh McDaniels is in a big spot on the road against a team that was missing a lot of players. Where were the Raiders? Why didn't they show up in New Orleans?
1: Boy, I was, <laughs> if you find out, let me know, too, because I'd was i was, I'd be very curious on what happened. But that's a team, and I, I thought they were very aggressive this offseason. I think they signed over 20-plus free agents and need a big trade for uh, Devontae Adams and and the big reunion between him and Derek Carr. But they just, they looked so sluggish and there was no energy. And it wasn't in that game on Sunday, uh, which was a shame because they have a lot more talent on that roster than the way they played on Sunday. And Derek Carr, I, I believe, just barely made it over 100 yards throwing the ball. When you have the weapons he has, and I understand Waller was out Uh, But they have one of the best running backs in the league as well as the way Jacobs have been running the ball. So I'll be interested to see if they rebound. I believe they're staying out there on the East Coast somewhere where I read uh, and they've got a big game against Jacksonville, who's also reeling. uh, But they have to turn that around, turn it around quickly uh, because I thought they would uh, with all of the moves that it's offseason.
0: Wrapping up with Rick Spielman. Now the Patriots got a good win. They're four and four. A lot of teams would like to be four and four. Rick, at this point in time, there and they beat the Jets and the Jets put everything into that game. Zach Wilson struggled with three interceptions. What are, you know? Belichick's getting a lot of criticism this year and arguably the greatest coach of all time. Not at the level of Nate Hackett out in Denver there, but I think the <laughs> Patriots, who I saw in a dual workout earlier this year in Las Vegas, and they didn't look good at all. Uh, they got to be pretty happy where they are in the division. They're not going to catch Buffalo, but the Patriots are in a wild card position here.
1: Yeah, no, and I don't think uh, Hackett's going to get anywhere near close to passing <laughs> George Halas's uh, win record right now. Right. For going. sure. Uh, but that's what Belichick does because they laid an egg at home on Monday night, uh, and then he comes back and on a short week goes down to, if you want to call it, a rivalry game. That they have beaten 12 or 13 straight times, and everybody is jumping up and down on the the Jets' bandwagon. But the Jets were winning games because they, on offense, offensively, they are running the ball. When they lost Brees Hall, uh, all of a sudden that shifted everything over to uh, Wilson. And unfortunately, like uh, the second over picking a draft, and some of the interceptions that he threw in that game were just god awful. Now, if that pick six they had earlier in their game uh, and it wasn't on Mac Jones, maybe it's a different story. But for the Jets to go forward, they're going to have to get back to what they play good defense and run the ball. And they made a, the big trade with Robinson and hopefully him and Carter. They'll never replace what Brees Hall was doing, but hopefully mm-hmm. that will get them on track. But I give credit to Bill as much as people want to criticize that guy is maybe the best coach that ever coached football in the entire world. And to take his team uh, that got embarrassed by a Chicago Bears team and then come back and go down to New York and, and like I said, the hype of that game and thoroughly just out-coached and out and their team outplayed the Jets, that's why he's Bill Belichick.
0: Absolutely. Rick, thanks for a few minutes of your time. I really respect your work. Thanks for doing this. Okay, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You got it, Rick Spielman. Makes a good point there at the end. Belichick, embarrassed by Chicago, comes back and out coaches the Jets. Can Josh McDaniels do that now? Getting out coached by Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen, that was an embarrassing loss. Can he come back and out coach Doug Peterson and have a game and have a good game and win a game there? It's all about how you react to a loss. And uh, we're going to hear from fans the rest of the way. We had that booked last week. Wanted to get Rick up here. It's all Raider phone calls pretty much the rest of the way. John in Orange County, California. Thanks for waiting, John. Go ahead. You're up next.
3: Uh, No worries. What's up, JT?
0: Doing good. What's happening?
3: Uh, You know, I mean, it it, it was a bad game all around. I mean, but you got to look at the numbers. I mean, honestly, Patrick Graham wasn't that great with the Giants. So I don't know why. You know, fans, we thought that he was going to be the savior. I mean, our numbers are mirroring what the Giants did last season. And, I mean, look at the Giants this year. They're, they're pretty solid on defense. Um, I don't agree with the Jets' sweeps on third and one. I mean, mm-hmm. you got a guy that's carrying the rock over two yards a carry. Um, and Josh Jacobson, you're not using them. Uh, I get it. They stack the box once or twice on them. But you just got to keep hammering home to open up the pass because uh, that O-line goes where Josh Jacobs runs. I mean, I know it was a sucky loss, and I I feel bad for the fans that paid money to fly out and do everything.
0: They weren't going to run. Hold on. They weren't going to run Josh Jacobs yesterday. Josh Jacobs was going to get Hounded by New Orleans' defense. I, I previewed that all week on this show and on the pregame show. Dennis Allen was going to put eight in the box. They got a better defensive line than the Raider offensive line. The Raiders needed to pass the ball and dig out of the hole. They couldn't move the ball in the passing game. Of course New Orleans was going to slow down Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs was not going to get 4.7 yards a carry against New Orleans. Their whole game plan was to stop Josh Jacobs and to get Alvin Kamara going. And the
3: Raiders couldn't react to that. To that john yeah agreed agree but on the third and one i mean i feel like yeah. you got to try it try your hand you got to try your hand yeah. on third and yeah. one um well like i said you know it, it just sucks for the fans that that flew out and saw mm-hmm. the game uh hopefully they get a handle on this next game you know i was worried about this coming mm-hmm. out of the uh the texans win because you know we as fans we pumped our chests up and i'm like you know pump your brakes it was just the texans we got to get ready mm-hmm. for new orleans and these other teams you know to try to try to turn the season around but nope. Yep. I don't know. There's a lot of football left, so Raider Nation, you know, we just got to keep with it and hopefully they get it together.
0: Yeah, I would hope so too. Thanks for the call. It, it comes to the quarterback has to run. I mean, how many years am I going to have to say this too? Derek runs, he runs well. When Derek runs, he runs well. When he runs with a purpose, when he runs when the pocket's breaking down and he's about to get sacked, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Derek early in his read seeing that no one's open and then he takes off and runs. Eric Allen put that into his ease keys in the preview of the game if you listen to our pregame show that this was the type of team New Orleans with their inexperienced defensive backs that were probably going to turn their body and turn their head away from Derek other than Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew who's another guy who's having a Hall of Fame career against the Raiders mostly in Kansas City and Derek's got to run with a purpose. Because the better quarterbacks in the league are doing it. Do you understand the difference between Derek, who I think is very good and can beat anybody on any given Sunday, is not at the level of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and a number of quarterbacks who run on purpose. They move the pocket. They extend the pocket. Aaron Rodgers is a lot older than Derek, and he moves better than Derek. That's got to change because Devontae was used to that. One of the things about Devontae and Derek, they had this great chemistry in college. One of the things that Aaron Rodgers does, many of them better than Derek, is he's able to throw and kind of toss the ball quickly off a wrong foot, back foot, and he moves the pocket. How many times did you see Aaron Rodgers sprint all the way to his left to the sideline, throw against his body to Devontae, or go to his right, and Devontae cuts over because he extended the pocket? Devontae is getting double-teamed. He needs Derek to step his game up. And Derek can do that by running the football more or moving the pocket. I don't know why they're not moving the pocket. Maybe they have no confidence in the offensive line. Maybe that's part of this. And that's why we're trying to figure out here. We're not coaches. We're not coaches, but we're trying to figure out what the issue is. Why did the offensive line for the Raiders, who are playing reasonably well over the last three or four games, reasonably well, Why were they getting thrown around like ragdolls? I can see Cam Jordan getting a sack or two, but why was the pocket getting pushed right to Derek, where Derek instantly had nowhere to go? I'll tell you a big reason. Darren Waller wasn't available. If Waller's available, two out of the 11 players on New Orleans defense and the head coach, Dennis Allen, are really nervous about Darren Waller and where Darren Waller is. If Waller isn't in the lineup, Renfro, mentally and physically, is not the same player. And Devontae could have a game like this because they're all over Devontae. They're all over Devontae. That's the problem there. Waller not being available has changed the scheme of these defensive coordinators, and clearly the Raiders haven't been able to react to it. Reggie in North Las Vegas. Hello, Reggie.
4: JT, the brick. What's going on, my man? Hey Reggie. Hey. Same thing, first of all, shout out to all my guys. I had I know personally over a hundred people that was in New Orleans, and mm. getting those text messages as the game was going was just sickening to me. One of the things that I saw early and I just I couldn't put my finger on it, still can't put my finger on it. There was no energy on the front line, either offense on defense, but on the offense when they first started, when that early interception happened. You are dead on. They were getting thrown around like little kids, and it looked like they had no want to to fight back. I didn't get that. And I'm up here, okay, so we have these uh, games where we only play one half. Maybe we'll get it in the second half. Second half, they come out, and it looks the same. I'm like, what is really going on? But one of the things I think for certain, man, it's top down. This ain't something that's just the players. The players need to perform, yeah. But for some reason, uh, the coaching does not have these guys motivated. They don't have them ready to go. I don't know what it is, but it's just lackluster. The tackling sucks. I see guys getting dragged two, three yards every run play. You see guys coming up to tackle. Like you said, you got plenty of space to make the tackle, and you go to the side with the Ole move. I don't get it. For mm-hmm. that to be Andy Dalton and Dennis Allen, and we come out here just like I expected. Actually, when we came uh, when we came out to buy, I thought we were going to come out like that. But for them to get that win, I was hopeful that they would go into New Orleans and get another win. Now I'm just game by game. We see what happens with them. Raider Nation stand up. All I can say is I didn't give up on them, but I have no expectations, JT. I'll Mm -hmm. see you at the next home game, man. And we just got to keep our heads up and hope for the best, brother. Yeah, you know, the Raiders
0: have been known in this era to go on some runs and win some games and stack them. Uh, This was really the only opportunity for them to do that, realistically, with the schedule coming up here and to try to stack some games. Breaking news, linebacker Roquan Smith. Has been traded to the Ravens. According to multiple reports, Jay Glazer, Adam Schefter, Mike Florio, the Ravens have agreed to acquire Rokan Smith in a trade. The Bears will add a 2023 second and a fifth round pick to the fourth round selection they got in the Quinn deal. So the trade deadline is tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern. So that is breaking news, and it's amazing. It's amazing how the Ravens get these linebackers. The Ravens have an abundance of great linebackers in the history of their organization, and this is a big, big deal. So Ian Rappaport, 20 minutes ago, Bears, Roquan Smith traded to the Ravens. After a frustrating summer of long-term contract negotiations, Chicago moves on with a second-rounder and a fifth-rounder coming back. Meanwhile, Baltimore acquires a defensive leader and a star defender. All right, that's a guy. That's, that guy, to me, would have been a big fit for the Raiders. Second and a fifth is what you could get for him, depending on... And also, you got to sign him. you got to have him long-term. That's the key. So it's not just trading for Roquan Smith. It's locking him up long-term. And he's going to be one of the most expensive, if not the most expensive, linebacker when it's all said and done. 702-365-9200. We're taking your phone calls right now so let's get it going let's get you going here in about a minute or two we'll take it to the top of the hour and then we'll line you up for hour number two and as i said if you're joining us late where was the emotion from the raider players early in that game what didn't you see that you'd like to call out on this show what would you like to see that you'd like to call out on this radio show before we wrap it up in another hour or so chuck and henderson thanks for calling in chuck what's happening
4: Hey, man, I called you guys back in week three, man, and I told you this team is not a good team, and you you didn't want to agree with me, bro, and man, I'm telling you, it's a heartbreak to listen to all these Raider fans who have been with this team for years, man. And be disappointed, and call him the show, and the show sounds the same every damn Monday. Well, Chuck didn't I, Chuck didn't I up. Chuck
0: didn't I hang up on you on the post game show because you had nothing to add last night? You said I called yeah, you, you an idiot and I stupid because add? you have nothing you know what to, what add, to add, right, bro? Chuck? Goodbye dope? again, Chuck. You have nothing to add to the show. If you call in and say, "Hey, JT, you know I was right about this, you were wrong. Here is what I think they need to do: boom, 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 boom." And I said, "Come down yesterday, and we talk about it on the radio." And again, you have the point to react to this the way you want to react to it. You bring nothing to the table. If you're going to say the show don't sound good or the shows aren't right for all that, okay, you're not, this isn't a platform for you to say a show or to suck. This is a platform for you to call in if you have something respectful to say and something that could turn it around. If you don't, use Twitter or use the text line, which I've never used. Use that because I don't even look at it. Right. So you can use that all day and and do that. The Raiders underperformed immensely in New Orleans. We all know it. We're taking the day on Monday. We call it the aftermath to get people to talk about what happened. Sound off like you got a pair. Be respectful and talk about how they can turn it around or not on Raider Nation Radio.